Hello, creatures of the night. Welcome back to End of the Night Minute. This is the Jim O'Kane Fueled Podcast, where we don't ever sleep again, so we can discuss the 1985 John Landis cult classic, End of the Night, one minute at a time. My name's Pete Mummert, and I have now not slept in 27 days. Hi, everybody. I'm Jerry Porter. Hey, he sounds like you got a pretty good night's sleep, Jerry. <laughs> oh, I'm feeling crisp and refreshed. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. <laughs> well, and today I'm I'm super excited. We have one of one of the great uh in, in the annals of fandom, I think one of the great fans of this movie, Tom Taylor, here to talk to us today from uh he's, he's he does so many podcasts. I I, I think most famous for uh the Caddyshack Minute. Welcome, Tom Taylor. Thank you, Pete. Thank you, Jerry. It's good to be here. I got my nightcap on. I've got my, I'm holding a candlestick as I creep through the dark to my bed. I got my slippers <laughs> you <did> on. It. <laughs> you did it in the conservatory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Colonel Mustard didn't know what hit him. What's the purpose of a nightcap? I don't know. Is it literally to keep your head warm? I mean, I wear it just because it looks cute. But I think it's also, I think it all helps helps to keep my head warm in the winter months. I just, yeah, it, it seems so like it's gonna it's gonna get in the way of your. I don't know. I I don't like. I feel like you know, the nightcap is where the mouse lives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's that's true. okay, that helps to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he lives right under the tass the tassel. <laughs> I like too that that Tom's the guy that he's always like uh, when he's on a date. Yeah, hey, you want to come up for a nightcap? Yeah. And uh, whoever he's on the date with comes caps. upstairs and he hands her a cap. Yeah. Yeah. Good night. Here you are. Yeah. Here you go. His <laughs> parting gift. I just want to give you something to re- remember me. Want <laughs> <laughs> read your story? <laughs> well, tonight, everybody, we're talking about minute 62 of this glorious classic, Into the Night. Minute 62 begins with David Bowie jumping out from behind a curtain and ends with Ed and Diana our fearless heroes running as fast as they can to reach the elevator. Okay, so did David Bowie get shot? Oh. He's got a lot of blood on him. Yeah, he's got like a big round red in the, hole yeah, in the back oh, of his jacket. jacket. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, did he, did he get stabbed or did he get shot and that's coming through or is that the entry wound and he got shot in the back? If he, he got gets shot, shot in the stomach or stabbed. The, the amount of blood and like the, uh, he shouldn't be as okay as he is. Especially in that location. really strange. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He should be paralyzed no. or he should be dead. I almost <laughs> want to say that's not his blood. I want to say he's, he's, he, you know, rolled over into somebody else's stuff. Like maybe on the chaise lounge. Some of the blood got on the chaise lounge. <laughs> he's tuckered out from all that stabbing. Put his hand over his forehead. Took uh-huh. a little lie down. And, oh, I got blood all over my jacket. It's oh. very localized, though. Maybe he used that just that part of his jacket to dab the the blood that was on the chaise lounge, so he could get. Oh, it maybe. Off. Could be. It's. I don't know. It's. It's interesting. But uh, where you know where he is in, in the beginning of this minute and yesterday's minute too. He's uh, hiding behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. So Tommy, mm-hmm. I have a I have a question for you. Um, 
<laughs> because one of my earliest memories ever was at your Aunt Marilyn's house, <laughs> and we were all playing hide-and-seek. And, and uh, you know, you guys had that weird curtain in your living room. Uh, what was you know weird talking about, about it? Wait, at my Aunt Marilyn's house? Well, it was a, you guys did that weird thing where your Aunt Marilyn, like, actually swapped houses with her dad. Yeah, yeah. So well, is this like the original like Aunt Marilyn house? Or the, I know. It's, yeah. It sounds like I'm joking, but I'm no, not. It literally happened. <laughs> it made a lot of sense yeah, at you the time. Could, I could get it. So, yeah. like, it may, have been, it may have been your grandfather's house. Was it Colby or like Loyola, the, Jerry? It was Loyola. <laughs> okay, yeah. So that was her. That's, and, yeah. Yeah, and so you, you walk into the living room, and there was, like, a curtain. Wasn't there, like, an actual curtain that was yeah. up against the wall? They were big into fabrics back in the old days. Yes, heavy exactly. <laughs> yeah. Big, heavy fabric. So check this out. It's like, it's like a medieval holdover <laughs> yeah. or something. Yeah, you know, like, you have this... Yeah. Yeah, you just, yeah. It's just this curtain on the wall. <laughs> yeah. But now check... And if I'm not mistaken, it may have been blue. Oh, anyway. probably, yeah. So we were all playing hide and seek, and this is one of my earliest memories, period. Wow. And um, you and I, it was your idea. You said, let's take our shoes off and put them <laughs> underneath the curtain. Wow. So, you know, whoever is, 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 is seeking us will think we're behind the curtain. <laughs> my God. It's like a decoy. And then we went barefoot. I don't know, up into the attic or someplace. What Encyclopedia <laughs> Brown had I just read? <laughs> I would impress my friend Jerry Porter with this one. He'll think I'm a wizard. I did. I thought it was genius. Like, to, <laughs> did it work? Take your shoes off. Well, that was my question. So here's David Bowie hiding behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm wondering, does hiding behind the curtain like that ever actually work? Hmm. That's a really good it's question. One of the, we already it's saw one of the most... You know, generic things you can do when you're playing hide and seek. Uh -huh. I mean, it is like a pretty. If it works, it's a really good. I mean, that's dumb to say. If it works, it's a good hiding place. But I mean, it's like a full body cover you up thing. And if you're hiding yeah. behind it, it doesn't look like you're hiding behind it if you do it right. And, it, you know, if you're the seeker, you kind of play with, you know, if, if, you know, if you're being sought, you kind of mess with the seeker's head. Yeah. Because you're like, well, nobody's going to hide behind curtain right. i mean that's the first place i'm gonna check <laughs> mm -hmm. you know i let me let me check the oven <laughs> let <laughs> me check <laughs> you know jeff's not really or ed's not really checking anything at this point he's just kind of true well I, I have to say I, I would never be as as uh sanguine as jeff is here it is ed is here looking at all these bodies well do you think that's that's just sort of his midlife crisis malaise I gotta say, he's 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 reacting now to these dead bodies exactly the same way he has reacted to every single thing that has happened in this movie so far. Every <laughs> yeah. moment has been the same level yes. of oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. And what what's what's fascinating about this movie is you know if if you've uh, suffered a midlife crisis, you know it's <laughs> like the first twenty <laughs> minutes of this movie is amazing. Yeah. Because he's just sitting there. Yeah. He's just, he's got like this thousand yard stare. Yeah. And he's just kind of sitting there no matter where he is. Nice and he day. even like, yeah, even, <laughs> even after he like decides, he's like, I'm going to go to the airport. That's it. I'm doing it. Like, I'm going to go to the airport, you know, into, in the middle of the night, mm -hmm. you know, and he drives there and he even does that sort of in a lethargic way. Yeah. Like he's, it's more like, I guess I'll do something about this. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
Well, as, as somebody who used to be an insomniac, I, I can mm. definitely identify with a lot of this movie. And I think he, I think John Landis really captured something with this because it feels very dreamlike. Like the whole thing, like I felt like I can identify with him. You, you just watching this movie makes me tired, <laughs> but kind of in a, in a happy way. It's, it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of how it is. Well, it's like the first 20 minutes of this movie I thought were just fantastic. Uh-huh. I, re- I really liked it because you're dealing essentially with 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 Jeff Goldblum and he's, you know, he's in this dead end job and Mm -hmm. he doesn't care about anything. And then he does, you know, his, his wife is just kind of walking through their marriage. And I mean, it's, and then she finds out she's cheating and the whole thing. And I think Jeff Goldblum's amazing. Mm -hmm. But one of the criticisms of the movie is like the way Jeff Goldblum plays Ed or Mm -hmm. exactly what you mentioned, Tom, like is just, he's, he's complete flat F. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't. I can't put that all at Mr. Goldblum's feet, though. That's that's there. Are, there are. I don't know what. Uh, I mean, on the one hand, he is playing it probably pretty accurately. Like, like this is the the insomniac who's you know in the doldrums of his life and stuff. So he's going to act this way. But there's there, there's there's a lot of scenes that are sort of written as though I am in the doldrums of my life, <laughs> and I am an insomniac, <laughs> and I'm not going to be okay. <laughs> well, so you know what? Rather than play footsie with this, mm-hmm. let's just get it out here. And in, in, in uh, you know, it's it's our second day. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just Tommy, do you like this movie? I was excited to watch this movie. I'd never seen it before. I'm a huge John Landis fan, and I'd always been aware of it as a sort of oh, okay, he was on a streak from like Animal House through you know Trading Places. And he did like, you know, thriller and he did, you know, he killed a guy on the set of uh, uh, Twilight Zone, the movie. And then he did this movie into the, even when it came out as a kid, I saw like the commercial, but boy, that doesn't look like a John Landis movie. That's really weird. What a weird movie. And so I was excited to see it and sort of be like, oh, maybe it's just like a weird, cool, brilliant thing that got sort of lost in the shuffle and didn't find the audience that needed or whatever. Uh, and yeah, for the first 20 minutes, I was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of into this. This is kind of interesting. This is kind of a weird sort of vibe and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. And then it, uh, it got real dull. It got really dull <laughs> and not a lot happened and I got increasingly frustrated and, um, I wish I liked it more and I wish it was better. I, I think that, that killed a guy thing you mentioned might be a big part of why this movie is the way it is. I wonder. Very, yeah. Yeah. It feels very dark and yeah. it feels. I'm sorry. Are you talking? Is that the, is that Vic Morrow? Yeah. 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 Crazy. That was big. I mean, that was like a seismic thing for his career. I, would yeah. I mean, he kind of bounced back. He did like coming to America and he did uh, he did something right after this that was still kind of big. I forget what it was. But a lot then. of people didn't didn't ever want to work with him again. And I think yeah. one of the reasons we see so many cameos and I think there's something like 16 or 17 director cameos in this. Yeah. Is because people surmise that maybe these directors were showing some support for him. Yeah. He rallied the troops. Mm. But I think he was in a, a dark place. Like obviously when he made this so i sure. think that's it's it's partially explains why this is such an odd movie it is odd there's a lot of I and mean, we'll get to one of them like in our minutes later this week but like there's some like it's a kind of a low-key sort of thrillery type type thing you know kind of noirish kind of thing it's, it's kind of low ebb but then there are a couple of like oh my god why did that just happen in this movie that's horrible why they do that <laughs> yeah. funny it's not yeah. funny or even yeah. like kind of interesting in a way just sort of an awful thing yeah. that happened oh no yeah <laughs> but then we also will get later this week almost like a wild strawberries moment of just pure surreality so <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> maybe maybe the first time this movie's been compared to wild strawberries maybe maybe not <laughs> <laughs>
Well, Pete, what do you think? Do you like the movie? Uh, I do. I do like the movie. I, I, I don't love the movie. I think there are lots of issues with the movie, some of which Tom brought up. But uh, I like that it, it, it is unlike any other movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And there's something very special about not being able to sleep. And, uh, you know, I used to when I couldn't sleep. I, I loved going out at like three o'clock in the morning and the streets are empty and it's just this weird nocturnal world that's completely different than the, the day world and it's quiet and it's eerie and i feel like this movie kind of captures something like that and mm-hmm. i've never seen another movie that did that and I, I think there's something kind of really kind of extraordinary about that hmm. you mean it so it, the fact that it's so uh you know disruckled <laughs> it is it's, it's also <laughs> disjointed so dreamlike yeah. it's all which yeah. which i mean one thing I, I I've questioned several times watching this was uh, is is the movie a dream? Like, is he actually asleep? Mm. Because it gets it gets it starts off you know very normal and then it gets weirder and weirder and weirder. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of like none of this stuff would really happen. Is he actually just the whole time asleep at his desk? You know what's interesting is you're describing this movie in those terms. I'm realizing you're also describing a much better movie that sort of does all this a lot better. Which and maybe almost from the same year. Um, After Hours. Martin Scorsese. Yeah, movie. yeah, that's true. It's like all yeah. night long, it's never ending night, and the guy can't get home, right. and all this weird stuff keeps happening, and it's legitimately funny and legitimately super weird, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, which I haven't seen in twenty something years, so yeah, maybe I should revisit that. <laughs> and that's got a lot of cameos too. Yeah, but uh, people compare these a lot. Like I think people mix them up a lot. Oh, I too. thought I made that up. Damn it. Oh well. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, maybe I just hear you compare it several times. There you so go. It might all be you. It might. Be you. <laughs> but yeah, over, overall, I enjoyed it. I I don't know if I'd go out of my way to watch it again, but I, I thought it was yeah. fun. I'll say I was I was annoyed as I was watching it. And I was actually getting kind of angry. But since then, when I think about it, I'm like, all right, I can maybe sort of see what Pete thinks. That's a sort of a. It's it's. Almost in a Robert Altman-y kind of way. It might be an interesting movie to visit, like mm-hmm. to just sort of hang out in or something. I don't know. It is there's there are scenes in this movie. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna act out one of the scenes in the movie. So who are those guys who are chasing <laughs> you? Anyway, can you give me a ride to Hollywood? Who are those? Do you know those guys who are chasing? Why are they after you? I need to get to a phone. <laughs> could you just stay with me for like 10 more minutes while i get my keys out what about those guys the, were those guys chasing you for some reason do you know why and <laughs> scene what i what i love about that though tom is that when you were super super tired that's how every conversation sounds that's true that is true i have to, you know in classic pete mummert fashion he gives everybody the benefit of the doubt which makes him so lovable or it's like no so punchable. no yeah. so <laughs> Well, you know, I watched the first 20 minutes of this and I love Jeff Goldblum. Oh my god, me too. I don't even think yeah, yeah Jeff Goldblum he he's never acting. It's it's <laughs> like the movie just con- like just sort of, you know, you know, conforms to what he happens to be doing in his day. <laughs> That's kind of true of like every movie that he's in, I feel like. I feel like every movie yeah. is written yeah. for him that he's in. Yeah. Like yeah, The Fly. Yeah. Like he just happened to be <laughs> even <laughs> like Buckaroo he Banzai. This- yeah. Yeah, he's just that's he's just amazing, and there are a few care, you know, a, a few actors who are like mm-hmm. that. But he's just you see him, and I don't ever for one nanosecond think he's acting. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. You know, e- even as it's sort of a peculiar role that he that he is here, just flat affect. And, and you know, so the first 20 minutes, I was like, this is rad. I love this. Mm-hmm. And I remember this uh, movie was on Showtime all the damn time. <laughs> and that's like what that. I never saw it in the theater. Yeah, it was one of those movies that was just always on Showtime, like seven hours a day. Mm-hmm. And um, as the movie progressed it kind of started to go downhill <laughs> and I got about, you know, I, I watched it over three nights mm-hmm. and like the first night I was like, this is great. And the second night I got further and I was like, yeah, yeah, this is cool. And then the third night, and I, I'll have to admit, I, I saw that it was, it got a 38 on rotten tomatoes <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Oh, this is a bunch of garbage. No, but it did. It did kind of like, I was like, I, I'm not like, am I watching a Three Stooges with mm-hmm. Iranians or like <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer? Like, I don't like she's she's a little wooden in this. It's not really making sense. And then like, I kind of get lost in the plot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so what? That we're going to the rich guy's house now. Now he's dead. Now there's another <laughs> rich guy. And I just kind of I stopped. I wasn't really invested at all. Mm-hmm. Like about about an hour and change in, I just was like, eh, "Yeah, I don't really know what's going on." Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, it's peculiar. They say, you know, if you read the reviews or the criticisms, you know, that some of it's brilliant. I think this, I, I think yesterday's minute was great. You know, it's 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 creepy, it's eerie. The Abbott and Costello's on in the background. It was really really great. And then other parts are just uh, like buffoonish. Yeah. And, and you're like, I understand that it's kind of slapsticky. Sure. But you're like, eh, I don't really, I'm a little dizzy. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't, I don't mind that, but it, it's kind of like, to me, it's kind of like 1941. Yeah. Like when neither one of them completely works, I, I think it's it's even more confusing. Like when the funny isn't necessarily funny and when the dark isn't necessarily dark is just kind of mean spirited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it it kind of, well, I don't know if the the, the combination it's, works. It's really funny. You say that. Cause I, I agree. It is like 1941, but one of the uh, adjectives that uh, is used to describe this movie is specifically mean spirited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, like more than like I, I, when I was just kind of reading about the film after I watched it, that, you know, that word kept coming up. It's mean oh, spirit. That is interesting. Huh. Yeah. Which by the way, I feel like that is absolutely true about animal house too. <laughs> really? Yeah. I kind of agree. Yeah. Oh yeah. Animal house. Like it's like, I watch animal house. I enjoyed animal house, you know, but you watch animal house now and you're like, God, this is kind of, this is kind of mean spirit. are doing that to those people? Like he, he yeah, exactly. Like he dumps the thirteen-year-old off in a, in a, you know, like a what is it? In a like a, a shopping yeah. cart at like four a.m. or whatever, and he runs away. And as he gets away, it's like plink, 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 like little tiptoes. <laughs> it's just I don't know. It's just it, there's a lot of scenes like that in Animal House. You're like, why? Yeah, why are they do it. But it's that? also funny. And there's stuff yeah, happening. that's the saving grace. Yeah, yeah. is I, I think if this were funny, I think this would be a much higher rated movie. Well, there, so is well, this there are not, moments like, that are is funny, it, but is it supposed to be funny? That's a good question. I think so. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I I saw very few things that were clearly crafted as as humors, as, uh, yeah. as funny bits. Although almost every every Landis cameo is a is a quote unquote humorous. I was bit. thinking of that. That's like the one obvious thing is him and his buddies, uh, hamming it up. But uh, and a, a couple times it's funny. Like later in the movie when he opens the door repeatedly on his face and then he finally just shoots the door. <laughs> yeah, that is actually like that. Funny. I actually thought was funny. <laughs> like there are a couple times that I think are actually genuinely funny. But yeah, a lot of it just is kind of like yeah. I like David Bowie. I'll see him in there. Yeah, I love David, David Bowie's deadpan in this scene. Yeah, yeah. Let, me let go of my. Well, own he, he's one of the. I mean, he's one of the best parts of the movie. Yeah. And I, I had a question for uh, for you, Tommy. Um, if you had David Bowie's hair, how would your life be different? Oh, this hair that he's got in the scene, or just in life? Yeah, just just no, just in life. Just you could take any one of David Bowie's hair. <laughs> God. How would your life be different? I'm not sure that my hair is that different from David Bowie's. I don't know. It's bl- <laughs> his, he's blonder than I am, but it's kind of sort of normal hair no, that you can got do like, stuff I mean, with. he's got like this beautiful quaffed like wave. and well, He's got straight hair and he does stuff to it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'll say this. I was uh, speaking of sleeplessness and also David Bowie. I was uh, yesterday. I was really exhausted. I hadn't slept well the night before, and uh, I lay down on the couch, and my wife had music on, just like random Spotify stuff. And uh, a David Bowie song came on that I had never, I don't think, ever just like, definitely never listened to from beginning to end, and and just had never just listen to like, like just having it on the background, just listening to it. And I was like kind of half falling asleep with my eyes closed on the couch. And it was Aladdin Sane, which is a really good song, by the way, if anybody doesn't know that it's a really good song. <laughs> and it's, uh, I just enjoy I'm, I'm, I'm glad that like sitting here, I'm looking at David Bowie's face on my computer. And, and there was like a, like a new song for him, for me that, uh, that <laughs> yeah, I don't know that song. Oh, it's really good. It's like weird. Yeah, it's like know. a weird, we were talking on, my other podcast, the <laughs> the Blues Brothers Minute, which was also directed by John Landis, and I don't think Jeez, is how many spirit. podcasts do you have? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but he, uh, yeah, we we're talking about songs that turn into jams, and then you can't identify what the song is because it's just a it's just a generic jam. Because they're doing that mm-hmm. in the Blues Brothers, do Sweet Home Chicago, which is a god awful song in the first place. But then once they stop singing, you don't have any idea what song it is. It's just a generic blues thing. Mm-hmm. But I was saying this mm-hmm. Aladdin Sane by David Bowie just like turns into this really cool, weird groove that if you walked into the room and didn't know what it was, you oh, that's Aladdin Sane by David Bowie. If you're familiar with the song, you would still recognize it even after uh-huh. the, the singing stops. Um, but anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> I like David Bowie and all but- his. And my wife had an in- interesting comment. She was watching this movie with me and she said, you know what? I think David Bowie's sort of legit. He's kind of a good actor. And I thought I was yeah. curious because I was like, oh, I didn't know that people didn't think he was a good actor. I didn't know that that was like a revelation that, or, or, a, or a surprise. I thought he was kind of accepted as a as a legit actor. And not just like a musician who uh, well, sometimes acts I, I mean, he's something. incredible, yeah. but I, I wondered if that has to do with like his Ziggy Stardust years where he was, you know, mm-hmm. I, I read a little bit about that period and he's like, well, you know, I mean, when you when you get off stage... You know, you you take all that off, you know. Yeah. But you yeah. know, when I get back on stage, no, I I yeah. I you know become that person. Yeah. I you know, and so you're like, so all those you know, all those years, he's sort of acting or channeling this mm-hmm. other persona. Mm-hmm. So I guess yeah. I, I'm not surprised that he's a great actor because yeah. uh, you know he, he's certainly done a lot of it, according he's to him. Very theatrical. Yeah. 
that David Bowie. Yes, <laughs> that's that's true. He's one of those guys that uh, I, I feel like if you were a, a you know a popular musician in the seventies, you uh, usually crash and burned in the eighties. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And or it, certainly by the time if you if you had like a real legacy career, and so you know you're making music with the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, and now you know the last 30, 40 years, whatever. There's usually that period in the 80s where people go, yeah, but then there's that album in the <laughs> right. 80s. Like yeah. people think that about uh, Neil Young. What's the, uh, you know, the one really kind of weird, trippy album? He'd, yeah. Yeah. Which is great. They frequently reference, yeah, they've kind of referenced that because, you know, it was a very, just a different yeah. thing. And, and and people got swept away by the, the 80s, like, wow, 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 wow. Boop, 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 boop. Like everything's. That's <laughs> my yeah. 80s music. Well, that's my <laughs> All the drums are do, 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 do. <laughs> like the soundtrack to this movie. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Which well, it's, by, it's like also B.B. King's kind of 80s phase. Yeah. Oh, this is a question for you, <laughs> Pete. Because obviously B.B. King is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But you're listening. So what do you think of this B.B. King's 80s phase? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've never been a fan of late B.B. King. Mm. Like I, I was as a kid, my dad and I, like one thing we used to do together and we didn't do a lot of stuff together was we would always watch Sanford and Son. <laughs> and so uh, from a very well, young you, you age. You didn't need to do anything yeah, else. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect relationship. Yeah. But he was a guest a couple of times on Sanford and Son. And from, a, from a very young age, I loved B.B. Mm. King. And I was all like, I always knew his like his classic stuff. And so when he got to this stuff, it was just kind of like, like you said, it's like it's just different, and it's not him. Like yeah. it's like, God, what's he doing? You know what's really interesting? In 1984, huh. I don't know why I remember this. The, the very first MTV Video Music Awards was on, and it was hosted by uh, Dan Aykroyd and Bette Midler, mm-hmm. and they had John Landis on as a presenter, and he made this big point of like, it was like, yeah, like a year before this movie came. Wait, was this 85 or 84? This movie that we're watching. Okay, yeah. So it was like he's probably working on. He he said something before he like announced his thing that he was there to announce. He's like, "Hey, and and I'll let you know a little secret. I'm working on something really huge and amazing with the great BB King, but don't tell anybody." And like he was, and uh, okay. And then like a year later, this movie came out. And I'm like, oh, is that the thing he was working on? Like, what was, why did he say that? That was a weird thing. He's going to be like Lucille Thriller. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like really, he's doing yeah. this whole video. Yeah. yeah. For, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, um, I actually really like the ending credit version of In the Midnight Hour. Uh-huh. This, but what I like is his solo. See, what's kind of crazy is you, you know, the music in this is, as you mentioned, Tommy and Pete, it's, it's really like, do, 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 yeah. do, you know, and it, it just, it's, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, to, and, and it's got it's, that it's, like it's syrupy eighties, like sax. In the, oh God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's, it's like blues, but being played on a pan like Cinemax soundtrack. It's a blues, yeah, it's just... <laughs> it's blues being played by a, a white guy wearing a Hawaiian shirt oh and sunglasses, like Varney sunglasses <laughs> and a fedora hat. <laughs> On a saxophone. Yeah, damn it. Like it's somebody <laughs> sent me a video the other day of the Rippingtons from like 1985, and it is that. It's like, oh, oof. But but what's interesting is I do still really like his solos. 
like his tone. Uh-huh. I don't like I don't like the pan flute, <laughs> mm-hmm. but his guitar tone. I, I still I still it still sounds like BB King. Yeah, yeah. Even though it's in the and and I like his solos. Uh huh. But the the rest of it is is really like it's just like sandpaper on your teeth. <laughs> it's just. It's just well, I've I've got a question for you, Jerry. How oh, would yes. your life have been different if you had grown up wearing frilly tuxedo shirts? Ooh. Like well, first Carl of all, Parkins. I think I'd or maybe you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd say first of all, I'd be great at bocce. <laughs> um and I would know a lot more about like um that's like artisanal hams. <laughs> <laughs> That's how my life would be different. So I don't know why is why is Carl Perkins wearing that? He's wearing a tux, like with the frilly. Well, they were at that. They were at that like gambling, that swanky gambling. That's club. right. So I, so I guess that's that would, why it seems like standard. I guess there, like, you know. But yeah. to, but so is is that a tuxedo? What is the frilly like? Those they, they almost look like it'd be. Um, like part of a fish, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like a, you know what I mean. It's almost like these. It's it's like a like some sort of aquatic fin that yeah. goes down those yeah, those, yeah, those frilly tucked yeah. shirts. What so what I is guess a knife that? that's sticking out of his chest? <laughs> is that what you're talking about? <laughs> no, they just they yeah. have that like the the weird like, like yeah. galloped weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like whipped cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like whipped cream, but not, I mean, not all tuxes no. do that. No, but when I was a kid, I had a, a tuxedo, like a little, a little tuxedo shirt like that. And I had a little blue suit and the suit had like short pants. Huh. And I think huh. how, how cool would it be to wear that as an adult? That'd today? be kind of great. Yeah. Be the talk of the town. <laughs> um. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. Tommy, I like this. <laughs> I like we're doing the whole question. <laughs> it's been around. Fit, fill in the okay. blank here, okay? Poop. Oh. In this, <laughs> it's like okay. a Mad Lib. In this scene, Carl Perkins' screams are. <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. It's been, I, I want to be accurate. I want to say guttural. Are they guttural? Are they bellowing? They're not screechy, are they? <laughs> They're more. They're blue suede shoeies, well, ish. I like in the in the minute before this when he when he uh, kind of wakes up all yeah. of a sudden and surprises Ed. He kind of he's kind of like at that Frankenstein. He's like <laughs> or like yeah. a it's like a yeah. monster. It's a, it's re- well he does this yeah they are guttural is great. I feel like saying survey says yeah yeah it, they they're like ah they're weird. <laughs> did he did he think that Ed was David Bowie? Is that yeah, why he did know. that? He has a knife in him, and he's he's like he's just sitting there. I know there's a knife in me, but just be quiet. Just yeah, is he quiet. pretending? Control is he like because yeah. he's kind of looking at like at the bottoms of his eyes, just barely barely open. He's kind of looking around. Yeah, and maybe. He's like, okay, here he comes. Pretend to be asleep. Pretend to be asleep. Yeah, that is weird. And then did somebody stepped on his blue suede shoes? <laughs> but then he kind of <laughs> drops that. Then he's just sort of like standing there next to Ed, dealing with his knife in his chest, while David Bowie stands there with a knife at. Michelle Pfeiffer, like he sort of lets yeah. go of the idea of, of of Ed being somebody that he needs to have a beef with. It's re- yeah, it's weird, and that he's just <laughs> he's just standing there. And David Bowie says, "Now don't do anything rash, mm-hmm. Ed." <laughs> and then Carl Perkins does I'm something, do something rash. rash. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah, and he and he does it. Well, it's interesting because after the like the, they have this fight, and uh, you know Diana escapes, and then Ed kind of gets in the middle of them, and then they all fall to the ground, and Diana kind of pulls that out and kind of saves mm-hmm. him. And I one thing I kept wondering during this movie is Diana a sympathetic character? Like I know she represents something that Ed kind of seems to be lacking in his daily life, but is she somebody that in in any in a like a real life setting or in another movie would be a sympathetic character. That's a really good question. That's an excellent, yeah. that's an excellent question. And I have a, a, a an answer that's depressing. All right. <laughs> I think it is no, not at all really, except that she's really attractive. And so we're all drawn to her. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, yeah, she's attractive and she's like in trouble when you first meet her and she's on the run. Yeah. And she doesn't uh-huh. seem like a bat, but she also is kind of uh, usury and, you know, selfish and jerky in a way. Well, and her friends die and she just has no reaction. Like, <laughs> yeah. because yeah. of her, her friends die and she's just yeah. ice cold about it. Like, and she like, can't, like, you kind of want to pull her aside and be like, hey, look, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what you're going from, like, houseboat to houseboat. No one really likes you like that. That guy's mad. They kicked you out. Like... The dude you're with at the airport gets stabbed. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Yeah. Just what are you? What, what are you doing? I mean, can't? I mean, like, you know, I don't know. Couldn't you work at Cracker Barrel or something? <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> do you have to do all this? Just what? Are, yeah. <laughs> what is? What? Uh, what is all this about? You know, like why? I don't know. Yeah, I guess if she's in a bad enough of a pickle, you can give her a pass about you know being selfish and 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 using people and stuff but uh yeah, i don't know i don't know it's, she, you're right. it's weird I, yeah i think i i feel like i can give that a pass like the selfishness but the lack of remorse for what ha- what her actions cause others mm-hmm. is hard for me to look past i think there's a very weird lack of any kind of emotion in this movie stuff just sort of yeah. happens yeah and people barely true. notice that's true yeah so, I mean, was that done on purpose? I don't know. I don't know either. I hope not. I mean, I like it because it adds like such a weird dreamlike quality yeah. to the movie, but I don't know if, if that was intended. I mean, if this is all a work of art, I love it, but I'm not convinced it is. Yeah. But if you're not convinced it is, then it's not very compelling. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Can I perform another scene from the movie real quick? Yes. Yeah. I love these. Please. Where are the other three stones? No, not till I'm safe. Well, where, where's where's Michelle Pfeiffer? She's going to call when she knows I'm safe. And then I'll give you the other three stones. Well, why can't I have them now? Well, she's going to call. She'll call. I'll call her. And then I'll give you the stones. And then we're going to leave when we're all safe. Okay. Oh, my God. I never thought of this. Is, are, are, they trying to, are they trying to bank on Temple of Doom here? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> with the three stones yeah yeah and with the dan Aykroyd yeah. uh, cameo I yeah. see what they're doing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with the you can't tell if it's gore or comedy yeah yeah <laughs> Is this supposed to yeah happen? i got it yeah <laughs> <laughs> with the shooting of the dog oh my god we'll get there oh uh, well before that there, there is a uh in I'm this kidding, minute I, I mentioned 
uh, I think last minute, there is one thing I liked about the the background sound effects that are coming from the TV from the Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein is there's like a little yappy snarling dog the whole time that uh, David Bowie and Carl Parkins are fighting. It's like, that <laughs> I love That's it. Kind of, cool. it kind of makes the fight funnier. Yeah. <laughs> that I mean, see, that's brilliantly filmed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. John Landis has such a sharp, clear, lockdown, really awesome visual style that you kind of don't notice, but you kind of feel in a lot of his movies, like Trading Places and Blues Brothers and stuff, and 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 you know. It's not going on in this movie, and it's very strange to me. I mean, yeah, there are there are some flashes of of of, of interesting stuff like this, like this whole sequence and coming into this room and finding the dead bodies and everything, and the Abbott and Costello. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I wish there was more. I wish this felt more like a like a John Landis movie. Hmm. In general, some some of the visuals though, I really knocked me out. Like I, one of them when when I was a kid growing up in Phoenix, we had a at the airport you would kind of drive underneath the runway and there's a shot in this movie where, where they had the same thing at, L- at LAX oh yeah where the plane drives yeah, over yeah, the yeah. street and th- that's that shot is just spectacular and I yeah I like is. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and he's got a few of those in this movie like just it does out of nowhere just some really beautiful but I mean in a way it's more dizzying yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> Tom doesn't sound convinced mm. well I got mean, the same I mean, thing the, at O'Hare the, the, it's not that impressive well uh on that note uh you gentlemen have anything else for minute 62 not me okay well uh dear listeners if you have anything else come join us at uh the king lives listeners limo which is our facebook group dedicated to this wonderful movie and you can find us on twitter at night minute and you can also find us right back here tomorrow for another minute, I guess it would be minute 63 of Into the Night. Don't you wonder sometimes at sound and vision? <laughs> Look at the David. Ah! Thank you or what? I'd say I fall in the or what category.